Over a million patients a year are treated with respect, warmth, and compassion at Boston Medical Center. It's in this spirit of community that we offer our podcast series to you, featuring our doctors and staff. This is Boston Med Talks. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome. Our topic today is inflammatory bowel disease, which can affect up to one and a half million people in the United States. My guests are Dr. Jason Hall, he's the chief of colorectal surgery, and Dr. Francis Ferre, he's the clinical director of gastroenterology, and they're both at Boston Medical Center. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. So, Dr. Hall, I'd like to start with you. Please explain what is inflammatory bowel disease and how are Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, how do they fit into this umbrella? Well, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you for having us both uh, here on the podcast this morning. It's a real opportunity to tell folks about uh, what we do and the services we can provide to patients with uh, inflammatory bowel disease, as well as a variety of other conditions, including colorectal cancer and diverticulitis. Uh, inflammatory bowel disease composes uh, of a couple of conditions, or actually more than a couple of conditions, but both, both, uh, all of these conditions are autoimmune conditions, where the body essentially attacks the gastrointestinal tract. And we don't understand exactly why that happens, uh, but it, it is quite prevalent uh, in our society. Uh, ulcerative colitis uh, is an inflammatory disease that u- usually we think of as being restricted to the colon or the large intestine, whereas Crohn's disease can affect um, any part of the GI tract from the mouth all the way down to the anus. It's my personal belief that, you know, in 150 years, we'll probably figure out that both of these diseases are the same disease and just represent a different spectrum. Uh, but uh, we aren't quite there yet, and w- there are some differences in, in the way uh, we treat uh, Crohn's uh, and ulcerative colitis. Dr. Ferre, have you been seeing a rise in these autoimmune diseases? And I'm just asking for your opinion here. Do you have an opinion on if we are seeing a rise, why that might be? Well, despite many theories, the causes for Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis remain unknown. I want to point out to the listeners that these diseases are not contagious. You really can't catch it from a friend, family member, or acquaintance. And we think that a combination of familial uh, issues like genetics as well as exposure to something in the environment are associated with the development of both ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. Some of these include smoking, the use of non-steroidals, where you live in the world, and the presence or absence of intestinal infections. It's a very important question that you ask. I'd like to point out that we have seen an increase in both the incidence of ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease over the last 20 or 30 years. Genetics don't change that fast, so therefore it has to be something in our environment. And there are a number of different theories, none of which have been completely supported at this point. I do want to point out that both these diseases affect young individuals. The majority of people with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease are diagnosed before the age of 35, though you can develop it at any age. And this disorder, these disorders affect both men and women. Dr. Ferre, I'm going to stick with you for a minute. As long as you're talking about both of these diseases and who is at risk, what are some of the symptoms that people might experience that would even alert them to go see a gastroenterologist to get checked out? The symptoms of ulcerative colitis are typically the development of diarrhea that becomes bloody. And most people who develop blood in the stools realize that that's not normal, and they'll seek out their primary care doctor 
we'll probably send them to a gastroenterologist for further evaluation. Patients with Crohn's disease, the symptoms can be more subtle. It can be nonspecific abdominal pain, looser stools, perhaps some weight loss. And I think we'll have the opportunity to talk about irritable bowel syndrome and how that differs from ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. Now, both of these disorders are systemic disorders. What that means is that it involves the entire body. So in addition to the gastrointestinal symptoms that I just mentioned, you can have arthritis, swollen joints, pain in the joints, skin rashes, ulcers in the mouth, eye problems, liver problems. So this truly is a disease that affects the entire body, and many different symptoms can lead to the initial diagnosis of ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. Dr. Hall, why don't you speak to us about how it's diagnosed? Uh, Well, as Dr. Frey just mentioned, uh, most folks who uh, develop concerning symptoms such as diarrhea or bloody diarrhea or abdominal pain usually will present to their primary care doctor who will... uh, do an initial battery of tests, maybe involving some blood tests. And then typically, if the symptoms are concerning, refer them to a gastroenterologist or a colorectal surgeon, depending on what their symptoms are. Uh, uh, If they're referred to me, I'm a colorectal surgeon, many of those symptoms tend to uh, involve uh, symptoms that present around the anus, such as abscesses or pain or diarrhea. And usually the evaluation would constitute something uh, like a colonoscopy or a flexible sigmoidoscopy, which is an examination of the left side of the colon. Um, or sometimes if they have an abscess or infection, an exam under anesthesia uh, and drainage of the abscess. Uh, if they were to see a gastroenterologist, there's, a, a, again, a variety of tests that they might order. Um, one of the more common ones that they might perform themselves is a colonoscopy, which is a complete examination of the intest- of the colon, uh, a, a CT or MRI enterography, which are ways of getting imaging of the small bowel, uh, and a variety, variety of other blood tests um, that can either help confirm or strengthen our idea about what the diagnosis is. And Dr. Hall, just kind of answer the question that Dr. Foray mentioned about the difference between IBS. People have heard about this in the media. You see it on commercials. What is the difference between irritable bowel syndrome and inflammatory bowel disease? Well, the difference is is that um, irritable bowel syndrome is really a diagnosis of exclusion. These are typically patients who present with alternating diarrhea and constipation, uh, they could have either one of those predominate, but usually they have both to some degree, and it's often set off by you know anxiety or a bunch of other things that we don't understand. Um, and but you have to have ruled out a number of other things before you can say that um, somebody has irritable bowel syndrome and they're very set strict uh, set of criteria uh, for for how you make that diagnosis. Inflammatory bowel disease, we can see definitive changes uh, in uh, the, the, the small bowel or large intestine, or we can see extra, extra intestinal manifestations, as Dr. Frey mentioned. So uh, again, irritable bowel syndrome is something that we would diagnose the patient with after we've excluded all other causes, such as cancer or inflammatory bowel disease, and they have to meet very strict criteria for it. 
uh, whereas inflammatory bowel disease is usually readily observed within the bowel or outside of it. I'd like to add to Dr. Hall that we mentioned earlier that 1.6 million Americans have either ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease. Irritable bowel syndrome is extraordinarily common with 15% of the U.S. population having symptoms of IBS. So someone walking into your office with abdominal pain, bloating, gas, and a change in bowel habits is more likely to have irritable bowel syndrome as opposed to inflammatory bowel disease. I mentioned earlier that IBD affects men and women equally, but IBS is much more common in women with 70% of people who have IBS being female uh, as opposed to just 30% of men. I would like to add to, to what Dr. Frage just said. I find uh, in my office that many people uh, who have been diagnosed with uh, IBS really have some uh, dietary intolerance to certain types of foods, uh, and often uh, that sort of thing is carried out by just doing some intensive work with their diet. It's not all of them, uh, but it is fairly common. So, Dr. Foray, tell us about the goals, main goals in medical treatment of inflammatory bowel disease, and as I would love to do a whole separate segment on irritable bowel syndrome and, and it's related things like stress and such. For this purpose, speak about the medical treatments that you might use once you've diagnosed someone with irritable, with inflammatory bowel disease. What are some of the main goals? So the, there are a series of goals. The number one goal is to make the patient feel better. And so we want our patient's diarrhea to go away, their rectal bleeding to go away, if they've lost weight or become anemic. We'd like them to regain weight and their blood counts normalize. So that's called symptomatic remission. Patient symptoms go away. But in 2018 and over the past several years, we now realize there's a higher goal that we need to attain, and that's resolution of the inflammation. As Dr. Hall pointed out, we do a colonoscopy or a CAT scan or MRI. We see an abnormality in the intestinal tract their symptoms improve, and then we need to do a repeat examination, either a scope, perhaps a stool test, blood test, to show that the inflammatory process in their intestines has resolved. We believe that if we can make the inflammation go away, we can arrest the progression of the disease and avoid some of the complications that Dr. Hall has to operate on, like abscesses and fistula and other complications that we see in ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. Do the diseases ever go away, Dr. Foray? No, these diseases are basically go into periods where they're active, and then they go into remission. Our job as gastroenterologists and surgeons are to induce remission, either surgically in some situations or medically, and then once they're in remission, continue them on medicines. And most people do need to stay on medicine to keep the disease from coming back. But unfortunately for Crohn's disease, it never does go away. Dr. Hall could potentially comment on what happens after we remove the colon in patients with ulcerative colitis, because if their colon is gone, they really can't have ulcerative colitis, but there are other consequences that they may develop after surgery for ulcerative colitis. We always tell patients with Crohn's disease that we can't cure their disease with surgery. We can simply manage it. So if they have a fistula or an abscess or an obstruction, those things can be ameliorated with surgery, but we always know that there's a chance that the disease might flare again, as Dr. Uh, Farage just mentioned. 
ulcerative colitis is a little bit different because um, if they have true phenotypic ulcerative colitis, we know that it's going to be restricted to the colon. Uh, and we can cure that by removing the colon. But there are consequences to that. So in order to remove the colon, we have to have the stool exit the body somewhere. In some people, in many people, it's possible to do an operation called a J-pouch, where we remove the colon and then we make a new rectum out of the small intestine and we uh, connect that to the anus. Uh, but that's typically, at minimum, two operations in order to um, uh, to accomplish that. And at minimum, uh, it takes about six months to get over uh, a big operation like that. Some people are not candidates for a J-pouch, and then they would need to have something like a, a endiliostomy, which is a permanent bag. So, again, all of these folks are very, very happy after surgery. They do not have a recurrence of ulcerative colitis, but there are functional changes that they undergo because they've had to have a, a major operation or two uh, in order to get over uh, the condition. Dr. Ferrer, I'd like to start with you in our summary today. If you could wrap it up for us with your best advice as a gastroenterologist, what you would like listeners to take away from this as far as treatment, lifestyle, and, you know, things that might even trigger their Crohn's disease, just what would you like them to know about living with and managing these types of disorders? I think the first thing it's important that we make a diagnosis. So individuals with a change in bowel habits, blood in their stools, weight loss, or even some of the extraintestinal manifestations that we mentioned, like swollen joints and funny skin rashes, need to seek out their primary care provider who can then, in the appropriate situation, refer them to a gastroenterologist or colorectal surgeon to make a definitive diagnosis. That's the first point. The second point is, is that in 2018, we have wonderful medications to treat ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. We can really turn the disease around in as short as four to eight weeks in some individuals and put them back on the road to health. Again, it's very important that you realize that colorectal surgeons and gastroenterologists work hand-in-hand hand, uh, to treat these patients. In fact, Dr. Hall and I sit in the same physical space several times a week so that a patient who's referred to him in which an issue comes up, he can just walk over to the other side of the hall and speak with me and vice versa. So these diseases are managed by both ulcerative, uh, are managed by both colorectal surgeons and gastroenterologists. It's truly uh it truly, two is better than one in terms of managing of these folks. And again, there are many, many different options, both medical, medically and surgically, and it's important that you don't give up hope. We do work with other healthcare providers like dietitians, psychologists, gynecologists, dermatologists to really offer one-stop shopping for patients with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's And Dr. Hall, last word to you. Along those same lines, give us a wrap-up as a surgeon what you would like the listeners to know, and this comprehensive mode of care that you and Dr. Ferre have. Listen, I, I can't emphasize uh, more what uh, Dr. Ferre just said. When a patient comes to Boston Medical Center, they should really expect a seamless continuity of care between the surgical service and our uh, IBD specialists in gastroenterology. 
whenever we're contemplating a decision about surgery, that decision um, never happens without a conversation with Dr. Foray or some of the staff about whether there are any other medical options that can be pursued before we pursue something invasive like surgery. It's fairly, it's um, frequent that we can't um, do anything more medically, in which case we have to pursue surgery. But um, we really, really try to work as a team in order to come up with the best decision for the patient. It's been such great information. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining us today and for sharing your expertise in this situation that so many people suffer from and clearing up some of the treatment options and diagnosis and how you work together. Thank you again for joining us. This is Boston Med Talks with Boston Medical Center. For more information, you can go to bmc.org. That's bmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.